gotta understand something here. This music is the glue of the world. It holds it all together. Without this, life would be meaningless. Well, Greg, we're home from our annual spring pilgrimage to South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Cott. We're going to run down some of our favorite musical acts from South by Southwest 2016. Plus, we'll review the new studio release from Husker Du's Bob Mould. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. This is Sound Opinions, and Greg, you know, after 30 years of South by Southwest, you'd think the festival would have run its course in terms of star power, right? But the keynoters this year, for the techies, it was President Obama, for the music people, it was his wife, First Lady Michelle. I mean, it just doesn't get any bigger than that, right? The only place (laughs) left to go is the Pope. (laughs) Absolutely, Jim. And uh, later on in the show, we're going to run down some of our musical discoveries from the conference. But first, we've got some music news. Hey, yo, my man Fife Diggy, he got something to say. I like him brown, yellow, Puerto Rican, and Haitian. Mm. Name is Fife Dog from the Zulu Nation. Told you in the jam that we could get down. Now let's knock the boots like the group H-Town. You got DVD all on your bedroom wall. But I'm above the rim and this is how I bore. A gritty little something on the New York street. This is how I represent over this here beat. Talking about you. Yo, I took you out. That is a little bit of the track Electric Relaxation from A Tribe Called Quest's 1993 album Midnight Marauders. Uh, We are playing that in homage to Fife Dog, who is dead at the age of 45. Greg, I think those first three A Tribe Called Quest albums in the early 90s, Low End Theory, People's Instinctive Travels and the Paths of Rhythm, and Midnight Marauders. Hip-hop just doesn't get any better than that. No kidding. The the invention (laughs) of this band, the jazziness, the nimble rhymes, the Afrocentric positivity, they still inspire me every time I play those records, and I do go back to them a lot. One of the key members of what was called the Native Tongues Posse, born Malik Taylor, 1970 in Jamaica, Queens. He met the other members of the group uh, while playing Little League baseball. Uh, We were friends for life, he said. Fife was never happy with the sound of his voice, that high-pitched tone, but I think it's what set him apart, Greg. Uh, It made you think of this guy can rap, then maybe I can too, although few people were as nimble with words as he was. The death came from complications due to diabetes young age, 45. He fought this disease his whole life. In a documentary a few years ago, he said, you know, it's really a sickness, like straight up drugs. I'm just addicted to sugar. But he had a sense of humor about it. At one point in one rap, he called himself the funky diabetic. Um, You know, one great solo album in 2000 after the group split. Apparently there was another that was uh, about to come out. Hopefully we'll get it now, but it will now be posthumous, sadly to say. Uh, as far as a song to pay tribute to Fife Dog, a true hip-hop original, we can't do better than Can I Kick It. A, the musical invention here, building on that sample from A Walk on the Wild Side by Lou Reed, and B, the second verse that Fife delivers, the humor, the shout-out to Mayor Dinkins there. Here is Can I Kick It by A Tribe Called Quest in tribute to Fife Dog on Sound Opinion. 
tribe that flows in layers. Right now, Fife is a point sayer. At times, I'm a studio conveyor. Mr. Dinkins, would you please be my mayor? You'll be doing us a really big favor. Boy, this track really has a lot of flavor. When it comes to rhythms, quest is your savior. Follow us for the funky behavior. Make a note on the rhythm we gave you. Feel free, drop your pants, yak your hair. Do you like the garments that we wear? I instruct you to be the obeyer. A rhythm recipe that you'll savor. Doesn't matter if you're minor or major. Yes, the tribe of the game with a player. As you inhale like a breath of fresh air. Can I Kick It from A Tribe Called Quest in honor of Fife Dog dead at the age of 45? You sure y'all ready? Look, I got enemies. That is Drake uh, from his surprise appearance at the South by Southwest Music Conference. Actually, not the conference itself, Jim. One of the countless ancillary events that rides the coattails of the biggest music conference in North America every year. All these parties and concerts break out. All these tech companies come down. 30 years this year, as we mentioned at the top of the show. A pretty extraordinary run. Drawing music industry figures and bands from around the world. 2,000 bands playing for your attention in those five, six days of, of the conference each year. Once again, we attended a number of the panels, Jim, you and I, and uh, the big topic, again, for the second or third straight year was was streaming, and is anybody going to get paid off this uh, after all? Transparency was the buzzword. Yes. The accounting of the major labels or, or, or the streaming services in paying artists uh, has been less than uh, stellar. Tony Visconti, who gave the uh, keynote address, the uh, David Bowie collaborator and a former guest on uh, Sound Opinions, uh, had a pithy line, a million streams will get you a steak dinner. And he was only exaggerating slightly because some artists do believe that in this digital world where payments are now measured in micro pennies, the trickle down is barely reaching the artists at all. I attended a panel where one of the uh, executives at the panel says, you know, these streaming companies, these streaming services are paying upward of 70 cents on the dollar to license holders, yet the money's not getting to the artists. And again, we've got a morass of uh, accounting issues here. The other point, Jim, even though Drake was at this festival and a few other big-name performers like Iggy Pop, I really thought it was back to basics in a lot of ways for uh, South by Southwest this year. A lot of new bands, a lot of emphasis on the new and the up-and-coming, less emphasis on the huge corporate advertising and the huge corporate uh, presence for these big-name stars like in past years when you had people like Justin Timberlake showing up and attracting huge audiences. This year, I probably saw 50 bands over the course of uh, five, six days 
days. Yeah, me too. And I had no problem getting into any of those gigs. It was mm-hmm. very easy to get in and out and see a lot of good new bands in a short amount of time. Um, there was star power, as we mentioned. Tony Visconti originally was going to be the main keynoter, David Bowie's collaborator after the death of his old partner. He was pushed back a day to make room for the First Lady, and who can complain about that? She was there to push a White House initiative called Let Girls Learn, designed to offer educational opportunities for young women who are denied regular schooling. Um, But Queen Latifah brought out a really human side of Michelle Obama, who told a story about falling in love with music when her grandfather, a man they called Southside, gave her a Stevie Wonder album as a kid. The question, how do you feel about leaving the White House? The, The look on Michelle Obama's face, like she just can't wait to get out of that presidential pressure cooker. And then she broke into song. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. We should have put you on the song. Hey, this is Jim DeRogatis at the end of a very, very long first day at South by Southwest. Wednesday, the best bands I saw on day one were uh, all fronted by unlikely female singers. Victoria Rose is the leader of a band called Downtown Boys. Multiracial, multigender, very political, saxophone-driven punk rocks. Best sax in punk rock since X-Ray Specs. And then another band from Philadelphia called uh, Sheer Mag with another just extraordinary front woman. Neither of these women are conventional rock stars in any way, shape, or form, but I couldn't help thinking that this was what Michelle Obama had spoken about early in the day, just believing in yourself and believing you can do it and then doing it. Uh, I don't know, I'll see what Cod came up with, but I had a really good first night. Well, thanks for asking, Jim. I'll tell you what I came up with. Uh, it was a, you know, every night I saw a, a good new band, at least one, usually multiple good new bands. One of them was Sunflower Bean, a band out of Brooklyn, three-piece. They've been gigging around New York pretty steadily for the last couple of years. They're one of those bands that doesn't seem to really have a niche. And I really see this very young band as a great example of the millennial shuffle mode, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, mixing up different styles of music willy-nilly. They don't stay in one place for very long. I mean, within the span of a 40-minute set, I saw them do a song that could be identified as dream pop, and then the very next song was skewing towards heavy metal. And I'm not kidding you. It was pretty heavy. They've got a new record out called Human Ceremony, their debut, and they're playing a lot of songs off of that. What was most impressive about them live was this guitar player, Nick Kivlin, who, who seemed to be able to master every kind of style. And he sort of reminded me, I mean, I I looked at his, you know, that sort of cherubic face and that kind of curly hair he had. He reminded me a lot of a young Richard Thompson, Mm. especially when he started finger-picking the guitar. But he was also able to do that heavy stoner rock thing as well. The vocalist bassist, Julia Cumming, she's been getting most of the attention, but I think Kivlin is really the secret weapon in the band. She struck me, I saw the band too, struck me as sort of a female Billy Corgan without any of the bad baggage. They they had the yin and yang thing going there between Kivlin and Cumming up, up front, sharing the vocals, and uh, you can hear some of that on the song Wall Watcher from Sunflower Bean on Sound Opinion.
Wall Watcher by Sunflower Bean on Sound Opinions. As I said, Greg, I saw him and loved him too. But I'm seeding that one to you because I don't think you saw this pick that I mentioned up top when I was out on the street. Downtown Boys. I'm in love with this band. Providence, Rhode Island, bilingual, multiracial punk band that is tackling the prison industrial complex, racism, gender bias, capitalism, fascism, boredom, and they call their debut album Full communism all right they are owning it they are out there they are political victoria ruiz this absolute powerhouse front woman worked in the public defender's office uh the partner who really drives the band with her joey de francesco has been a union organizer they are practicing what they preach they met when they were both working horrible jobs at a luxury hotel serving the one percent uh from way on the bottom um all of that sounds very heavy but there's a joy in this band, they have highlighted on their website a quote from James Baldwin. Since we live in an age in which silence is not only criminal but suicidal, we have been making as much noise as we can. I'm just so inspired by this band, and I had so much fun. I was kind of pogoing. I was kind of pogoing Uh-oh. in place at Mohawk. I was so swept up. Here's Downtown Boys. They have one album, came out in May last year, Full Communism, as I said. The song is called Wave of History on Sound Opinions. That is Wave of History from Downtown Boys, one of Jim DeRogatis's favorites from the South by Southwest Music Conference. When we come back, Jim and I are going to share more of our favorites from this year's South by Southwest. Then we'll review the latest from guitarist and singer Bob Mould. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX.
Greg Cott here on the uh, last official night of the South by Southwest Music Conference in Austin, Texas, the 30th year for the conference. There was a, uh, a speech that Tony Visconti gave, a keynote speech earlier in the week, the producer for David Bowie, and his advice to new bands was to be courageous. Don't worry about trends, don't worry about uh, record contracts, don't worry about charts. And I saw a lot of bands, new bands basically, uh, bands that have no recording contracts but are still doing courageous things. They're basically doing music that they love to do. I saw a lot of love on those stages this week, and that was really inspiring. There was also this Bowie theme throughout the week, beginning with Iggy Pop performing uh, his new album, a band, Capsula, doing the entirety of Ziggy Stardust front to back, a panel devoted to uh, Bowie's influence on fashion and the art world. It was a great week of music, I thought. We hope to see you again next year in 2017. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. That was Greg Cott out on the streets of Austin, where we spent the better part of a week for South by Southwest. As always, our goal, see as much music as possible, because much of it will stick with us throughout the coming year, and we'll be talking about it as it makes news. Greg, what band next fits that bill for you? Well, Jim, Methyl Ethel is that band. I was drawn to their biography because uh, I noted that they were from Perth, Australia, and uh, the guy who runs the band is sort of a one-man band kind of deal, a guy named Jake Webb. And I go, hmm, who does that remind me of? Why, Kevin Parker of Tame Impala. Mm. If there's any characteristics they share with that band, I'm in. And they do share some characteristics with Kevin Parker and Tame Impala. As I said, one-man studio band, much like Parker, creates these very psychedelic melodies, very interior-sounding music. People have described it as music for shut-ins, hermits, but the imagination is wandering all over the planet and beyond. He played at that 8th Street Church, which you and I have both attended over the years. I I find it one of my favorite venues in the whole conference. Oh, the whole world, Central Presbyterian on 8th Street. And if you're the right band for that sort of church setting, you've got that huge vaulted ceiling, uh, and using the natural reverb in the room in the right way, you can really create a magical atmosphere, and that's exactly what Methyl Ethel did. So Webb brought his band with him. It wasn't just him on stage. There was two other guys, and they made this wonderful sound, using the natural reverb in the room to enhance those reverberating guitars and those programmed textures underneath the rhythm section. Webb sings in this high-pitched voice, and uh, most of his songs are fairly dreamy, introspective, a little dark. There's sort of a melancholy to it. But the real highlight for me was uh, more a beat song that is a centerpiece of his first album called Oh Inhuman Spectacle. Here is that song, Twilight Driving from Methyl Ethel on Sound Opinions. You might be a bad friend Still I can make it through What's left Into the hallway I wasn't afraid of mine
is Methyl Ethel with Twilight Driving, one of my favorites from the South by Southwest Music Conference. Jim, what's next on your list? Well, Greg, the band I saw right after Downtown Boys, I also mentioned earlier when I was out on the street, Sheer Mag, a quintet from Philadelphia, another extraordinary front woman, Christina Halliday. Absolutely unbridled joy while raging in the face of the status quo. You know, I'm a sucker for that. It was a great punk rock, high-energy night. The twist that Sheer Mag is putting on things. A young group came together when four of the five met at State University in New York at Purchase, SUNY Purchase, is that they unapologetically love 70s, what the New Yorker called Chevy rock, 70s classic rock, you know, your beloved Grand Funk Railroad and, <laughs> and stuff like that, right? And it's in this mix along with a very modern, energetic punk rock sound. Uh, the result to me, it sounds a little like great New York dolls. You know, punk is there, but there's also this love of rock and roll past, and it's all coming together with great attitude, style, and passion. And hooks galore. This band really can write some wonderful songs. So far, they have only put out three seven-inch EPs. Mm -hmm. And they're long EPs, you know, for for a tiny seven-inch vinyl record. I can't wait till there's a full album. I hope it's coming some point in 2016. Meanwhile, here's one of those classic feminist anthems. Christina Halliday saying, I ain't nobody's baby. The song is Nobody's Baby from Sheer Mag on Sound Opinion. Sheer Mag with Nobody's Baby from Jim DeRogatis' list of favorites from South by Southwest. Jim, they were on my list as well, too. I'm glad you got to see them. And I am looking forward to their first record. You know, people don't understand this, but when we run into each other at one of these clubs, (laughs) we're both actually a little aggravated at the other. The look you gave me when I showed up at Sunflower Bean, although I was in the back of the room, I was actually there, but I watched you come in. I was there first. 
we're both trying to see as much music as possible and come back with discoveries that we can share. No, absolutely. And this next artist, I think, was uh, one of the highlights of the festival for many people. There was a pretty big buzz already around Anderson Pack based on his Malibu album that came out earlier this year. But even going back to last year, which was really his breakthrough, the six tracks he cameoed on from Dr. Dre's album Compton, uh, I think Pack really was the highlight performer on that record, and he carried over to this Malibu album, which is getting great reviews. Could he deliver live? Well, absolutely he could. I got a chance to see him a couple of times at South by Southwest. The guy's got sort of like a double-edged persona. He's a singer-slash-rapper, kind of veers between the two, can come out there and command the stage with just the microphone and somebody working the turntables behind him. It doesn't need much more than that. He's all over that stage. You know, I don't want to belabor this point, but there were moments when I thought, man, this guy reminds me of Usher when he was really young and had Mm -hmm. all those acrobatic stage moves who really had an emphasis on entertaining a crowd. When his set really stepped to the next level is when he sat behind the drum kit, and I go, wait a minute, what is this? I heard that he'd done a little drumming when he was playing in in gospel groups at his church in, in, in California growing up. But here he is commanding this band from behind the drum yeah. kit and singing at the same time. And not just perfunctory drumming, but I mean serious chops on See, the drum kit. I'm telling you, I said this a couple of weeks ago. From Kanye West to Anderson Pack, all the rappers now want to be Phil Collins. <laughs> I don't know about Phil Collins, but I'd, I'd say Kendrick Lamar is a, is a good example of sort of a parallel artist. Their subject matter is somewhat overlaps, but also I think in placing the value on a sort of an improvised setting in live performance. And there was a jazz sensibility to the music as he was sort of traversing these genres, whether it was funk, soul, hip-hop, rock. It was all mixed up here, and he was doing it in a really organic kind of way. Here's Anderson Pack with Am I Wrong on Sound Opinions. I'm only coming out to play Nothing more that I hate in this life The wrong impression I only have one to make your palm, waiting to get the break. The cards will fall where they may. And what about me? I believe in fate. Huh. They want to know where I'll be in five. Huh. But what about today? What about tonight? Only one at a time. So precious. Is yours, is mine, only one at a time. My life, my life, yeah. Am I wrong to assume if she can't dance, then she can't ooh, yeah. Am I wrong to say if she can't dance, then she can't ooh, hey, I never want to waste your time. Precious is yours, is mine. And look at the time, my God. So precious is yours, is mine. Only one at a time. So precious is yours, is mine. Only one at a time. My life, 
Anderson Pack with Am I Wrong on Sound Opinions, one of my highlight performers from South by Southwest. Jim, what do you got next? Greg, I wanted to see Anderson Pack. I never managed to connect with him. One of the things we're doing is looking for new surprises at South by Southwest. The other thing we're trying to do is catch up with bands that sort of connected with us or, or that maybe left us a little lacking on record. And then you see them live and you really understand what they were up to. A lot of our loyal listeners had given us guff for not including the debut album by Beach Slang among either of our top 10 records of 2015. People really love that album, The Things We Do to Find People Who Feel Like Us. I'd listened quite a few times in different settings, and it hadn't connected with me on album. Then I saw the band at a club that's now called Cheer Up Charlie's. It's had like six different names in the 25 years. It's the one with the big white cliff, <laughs> but it's like the mini beer joint version of Red Rocks. And man, this group just killed me. There was active, full-on, out-of-control slam dancing at the front of the stage. The club security was trying to stop slam dancing. 2016. When's the last time we saw that? We got to go back to like a whole show in 1994, (laughs) right? But the leader of the group slowed things down and played this sort of semi-unplugged or acoustic dial-down song. James Alex is his name. Now, this shows the connection to the replacements. Everybody says beach slang replacements, replacements, beach slang. The early replacements when they were rough and raw and ragged. Things are getting out of control. He's trying to calm down the crowd. He sings, I'm too young to die, but it's too late to die young. I try to fight, but I get high and I give up. The connection to replacements isn't just roots, rock, punk. It is poetry. You know, listen to the titles he's given some of the records. They, they had these two uh, much acclaimed singles before the first album, Cheap Thrills on a Dead End Street. And the other one was Who Would Ever Want Something So Broken? So in part of the set, they're singing Young and Alive, and later he's singing Too Late to Die Young. It's about being young, messed up, with no future. It's really, you know, that Charles Bukowski dead end, <laughs> end of the bar poet thing that Westerberg did so well mm-hmm. because it wasn't a shtick. There was always soul and heart in Westerberg. And yeah, that's a big comparison to make, but I think that James Alex is that good. This was that kind of show that suddenly made me a convert, and now I can't hear the album and not hear, you know, what I was missing the first time. Why didn't I get this at first? I don't know. Listen yourself. Too Late to Die Young by Beach Slang on Sound Opinions. Too young to die. Too late to die young. Try to fight, but get high and give up. I ain't ever fell love. I ain't ever fell love. The punks are wired, and these records feel tough. It's loud and wild, but I swear it feels. Yeah, it's always enough It's always been enough There's honesty And there's neon lights We're animals Drunk and alive I swear Lowest lie 
That's the Philly band Beach Slang with Too Late to Die Young. We've each got one more awesome discovery to share after a quick break on sound opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. But first, we want to open it up to you. Have you ever hit the South by Southwest Music Conference? And if you did, what memories stood out? Give us any new discoveries you might have had while visiting Austin, Texas. Call 888-859-1800 to leave a message for the air. A bird with a word came to me The sweetness of a honeycomb tree And now I look what's taking over me Couldn't fake it if I wanted to I had to wake up just to make it through I got my patience and I'm making do. I learned my lessons from the ancient rules. I choose to follow what the greatest do. A bird with a word came to me. The sweetness of a honeycomb tree. And now I look what's taking over me. Couldn't fake it if I wanted to. I had to wake up just to make it through. I got my patience and I'm making do. My lessons from the ancient rules. I choose to follow what the greatest do. I'm ripping for the longest cycle. Mm. My uncles had to pay the cost. Mm. My sister used to sing the Whitney. Mm. My mama caught the gambling bug. Mm. We came up in a lonely castle. Mm. My papa was behind them bars. Hey, it's Jim DeRogatis. It is night two of South by Southwest. I am here on the corner of 6th and Red River. I just walked out of this show by an Austin band called the Sour Notes. Great Texas psychedelic rock. There's something that this Lone Star State brings to great psychedelia, a certain grit and a soul. But I think my ultimate highlight of the day was a, a band, Burnt Palms, from Seaside, California. They start with the 90s as their touchstone, but the songs are shorter than classic 90s alt rock. They're really like two and a half minutes, explosions of effervescent energy. So that was a pretty fantastic uh, Thursday for me. I'm eager to see what Greg Cott came up with, and of course I'm eager to play you more of what I heard down here. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. There I was out on the street. I think I was sounding a little tired there, Greg, (laughs) but excited. As I said, I'm eager to see what else you came up with. Well, Jim, I I went to see a band called Heinz, and I discovered later in the week that they'd made 17 appearances at the South by Southwest Music Conference this year. So if anybody had the right to be tired, it was definitely these four ladies in this band from Madrid. But they kept their charm the whole time. Here's a group that combined... 60s girl group sass, you know. They had some of that 80s lo-fi garage rock thing going on as well. You know, I'm thinking about bands like the Vaselines and the Raincoats Mm. from that era. And then mixing in these touches of surf and rockabilly. They had these very quick, incisive, melodic, up-tempo songs masking some uh, melancholy lyrics. Their first album, Leave Me Alone, is basically a day in the life of this band, told from 12 different perspectives in these 12 songs. And here's an example of what they're doing. It's called Garden from Heinz on Sound Opinions.
Garden by Heinz on Sound Opinions. Good one, Greg. I didn't see that group. I did see two other bands from Spain. A lot of music happening in Spain right now. A really interesting scene. But I'm going to play a band from Italy. Puglia, Italy, in fact. Mustache Prawn. This is a trio that I didn't know anything about until I stumbled across them playing on the international day stage. And they were just delivering this massive blue cheer, psychedelic (laughs) power trio thing with a fair amount of melody. And then I downloaded their their most recent album called Erebus that comes with a 60-page booklet with illustrations. It's all in Italian. I have no idea what it's about. And it's a completely different sound. I, I had gone up to these guys at one point when I ran into them, and, and I was asking, you know, what what is your influence? I was, I'm going on about Blue Cheer, right? 68 San Francisco, but not that hippie stuff. The birth of metal. And they said they tried to figure it out. Grizzly bear. We like a grizzly bear. I'm like, wow, I don't hear any grizzly bear. But then on the album, you do. I I love that contrast that they're very sophisticated on album, very polished, and then very just nuts, nuts nutso, like biker rock metal on stage. Great stuff. Here is the more polished album version of Animals by Mustache Prawn on Sound Opinions. Mustache Prawn with the song Animals, my final discovery from this year's South by Southwest Festival. And check out our complete South by Southwest coverage at soundopinions.org. That is a little bit of Voices in My Head, the first single from Bob Mould's 11th solo album, Patch the Sky. 
who is Bob Mole? Almost needs no introduction, at least for our generation, Greg. <laughs> Uncle Bob, you know, was a key influence shaping our musical aesthetic as a founding member of Husker Du. Six incredible and timeless albums between 1983 and 1987 that have influenced much of everything that has followed in the alternative era up to today. Bob had two other subsequent acts, or three, depending on how you count. He started his solo career for the major labels Virgin with a record that holds up Black Sheets of Rain and Poison Years, then shifted into a band called Sugar. Only made two albums in the early 90s in the alternative rock heyday, but people loved those records. Bob's done a lot of other things in a long solo career, experimenting with electronic sounds, taking a little break from music to write pro wrestling scripts, all right? But he has been in the midst of a late career renaissance in the last couple of years, starting with the Silver Age album, continuing with Beauty and Ruin in 2014, and now this new record comes, Patch the Sky. Beauty and Ruin was largely about the contentious relationship with his father, who is now dead. And the dark clouds continue to hover on the lyrical topics of this new album. Bob is looking at mortality, at getting older, suffering deaths of people he loved in his life, and the end of a relationship. He took a six-month sabbatical, living alone, withdrawing from life, and writing the songs on this album. He said, the search for my own truth kept me alive. These songs are my salvation. Bob is never anything if he's not heavy and serious and into whatever he's doing at the moment, 150%. Let's listen to some of the music, and we'll come back. We'll give our opinions. This is a song called Lucifer and God by Bob Mould from Patch the Sky on Sound Opinions. That is Lucifer and God from the new Bob Mould record, Patch the Sky. Jim, I invoked uh, Richard Thompson earlier in the show. I'm going to invoke him again because I think Bob Mould is in the category of Thompson in the way he uh, he's just this shape-shifting guitarist. I buy 
Bob Mould records now just to hear guitar tones. The guy puts on a clinic, and I think he's done his best work in the so-called power trio format. He's had three really good power trios. Husker Du, obviously, in a phenomenal band. Yeah. Sugar, maybe just a notch below. And now, a third incarnation of, of the power trio format with a great bassist in Jason Narducci, a great drummer in John Worcester, best known for his work in Super Chunk, and, of course, Bob out front. You've got Bob Mould with that orchestral sound on that guitar. He can make it sound like anything. You know, the song we just played, there's a real heavy My Bloody Valentine influence mm-hmm. there, the, the double double guitars on that, on that song. Uh, there's another song where he references the land speed record days of Husker Du, yeah, the yeah, hardcore yeah. punk era, yeah. you know, on a song like Hands Are Tied. You know, he's basically referencing all these different points of entry in his career as a guitar player. The other thing about Bob Mould that remains consistent is that mixture of light and dark. You mentioned the heaviness of a lot of these lyrics, and they are definitely heavy, but there's also this up-tempo, explosive feel to the music that balances that. So you never feel like you're wallowing in self-pity here. It's sort of a raging against it in in a lot of ways. The melody and mayhem thing, Husker Du, you know, really incarnated that for the whole alternative rock explosion of the early 90s, which they really didn't get to benefit from. Mold's the guy who really started it all. This, he's not reinventing anything here, but he's just made a great Bob Mold record. I'd say these last three records have really uh, reset the dial for him in, in many ways, and in a, a mid-career kind of renaissance for him. So I, I, I'll give uh, Patch the Sky a buy-it rating. Yeah, it's an absolute buy-it, Greg. You compared him to Richard Thompson, and in terms of his technical virtuosity, he absolutely is that good. I think the comparison that you were avoiding there is Nirvana. What people get wrong about Nirvana is that while Cobain was suffering from emotional anguish, uh, you know, the act of picking up that guitar, the act of using that incredible voice of his was a protest against all the pain in his life, a catharsis. And Bob Mould is doing that. Bob has been very frank about saying he's battled depression in his life and he went through a significant bout of it here. But picking up that guitar and singing into that mic or screaming more appropriately at certain points, you know, rock and roll is about being alive. It is about protesting against the forces that would drag us down. And it's absolutely, ultimately, an uplifting and brilliant album. You know, Bob Mould is just, I mean, the man is a treasure. His career has meant so much to us, and it's so great to see him delivering this strongly, this long into his career. So a very enthusiastic double buy it. What do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we've got a veteran band that everybody needs to hear about. 11th Dream Day is in the studio for a live performance and an interview. As always, Greg, Sound Opinions was produced by Robin Lynn, Evan Chung, Alex Claiborne, and our intern, Libby Gormley. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. Hey, how you doing? Sorry you can't get through. Why don't you leave your name and your number, and I'll get back to you. Hey, how are you doing? Sorry you can't get through. Why don't you leave your name uh, and your number, and I'll New get messages. back to you. Hi, guys. This is Ian from San Francisco. I'm calling about your recent uh, Rock Around the Clock episode about great songs about time. Being a Joe Jackson freak, the very first thing that came to my mind 
was Joe Jackson's Got the Time, which was the closing song on his debut album, Look Sharp. love the fact that the really skittery sort of manic rhythms of the song reflect the increasingly harried feel of everyday life that's depicted in the lyrics. Great topic. Thanks and keep up the great work. Hi, Jim and Greg. This is Liz from St. Petersburg, Florida. I just finished listening to the episode about time, and one comment I wanted to make was one of your transitional songs was Time is on My Side by The Stones. came out in 64. I think it's interesting that 10 years later, another time-themed song came out from The Stones in 74 called Time Waits for No One. It's just it's interesting to hear a different perspective from The Stones, kind of the 64 in their 20s, still thinking that time is on my side, kind of invincible. And then only 10 years later, a much more introspective kind of song about time waits for no one. Anyway, love the episode and keep up the good work. Hello all, this is Jessica Cone from Chicago. I'm just calling in in reaction to your show on the year of 1991 and to say what a big fan I was of the show. For me, I graduated from high school in 1991 and started college in the fall, and to say that that was a coming-of-age year for me would be an understatement. I can't tell you what it meant to me every week seeing new albums come out from many of those that you mentioned, like the grunge movement, but one album that didn't come up, the Serpent Muses released The Real Ramona that year. young 18-year-old just really maturing, growing up that year and discovering music like I never had before. Hearing those songs on that album just really opened up a new world for me and I've never been the same. So thanks so much and love the show. Greg and Jim, this is Ben from Richmond, California. I loved your show on 1991, but I really thought it was important to clarify something and, and disagree with you a little bit when you stated that nobody saw Nirvana's big success coming and that Geffen made that comment about 50,000 records being good and blah, blah, blah. Well, you rock critics might not have seen it coming, but those of us who were very deeply involved in the underground and the, just the general rock scene of that time saw the star of Nirvana begin to rise and Something started to happen around 1990, early 1991 perhaps, where it was clear that they were going to be absolutely huge. There was a zeitgeist. There was a thing that was going on around them that was completely unique. So when it actually exploded, it really didn't seem like that much of a surprise to most of us, and we were proud of them. That's my feeling about what really happened in 1991 from someone who was there and not a rock critic. <laughs> uh, take care, fellas. The show's great. Bye. No more messages. 
to share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.